everybody, welcome back to Simply Holy Living, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. And today is our final installment in the series, Practice, Practice, Practice. In this series, I have been trying to draw parallels from the things that I have um, learned through practicing the violin and the things that I teach my students that from the music world, trying to draw some parallels from that into how we can actually practice holiness in our daily life. Holiness is such an incredible concept. It's huge, it's too big for our, our minds really to comprehend. But there are practical things that we can do and in ways that we can practice them in our daily life. And this last uh, video is called Wait, Wait. And uh, this comes from two things in my life. First of all, there's a show that I love that's called Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. <laughs> those of you that watch it, you'll, or listen to it, it's actually a radio show, then you'll uh, crack up with me at that. But really, this comes from a specific song in my, uh, the early violin repertoire, and it's uh, from the Suzuki repertoire, it's called Andantino. And that is a song in which students first learn how to practice the rest. And a rest in music is, it's the time that you're not supposed to be playing notes. Now, so when you're playing music, you're playing all these notes, but something just as important as playing all those notes is resting or waiting until it's your turn to play. When you do not wait for the right amount of time, you come in at the wrong time and it throws everything off in the piece. I had my student just the other day, we were doing a recital and one of my students didn't count the right number of rests. And so when she came in with her part, she was off from the uh, piano and so they were not in the same place. And when you don't practice the rests, you will not play them in performance. So actually when you're at home and you have a piece and you have to wait for those rests, you have to actually stand there and practice waiting. Now in the Suzuki repertoire, in the very beginning, we have this song called Andantino. It's the first time a kid has ever had to wait. And we actually have to say the words wait, wait. It goes da 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 wait wait bum 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 and it's always funny because they never wait and they come in in the wrong place ah oh, and then you have to laugh <laughs> because they are learning how to wait now who knew that we would have to be taught this there's actually another time where you have to wait in music and that's when maybe there's uh, something called a fermata over a note and that's when you hold a note for a longer period of time and then you have to wait for the conductor to to uh, cut you off and then you have to wait for them to bring you back in. And if you come in too soon, then you, you're off from everybody else. So there is this concept in, in music that the rests are just as important as the notes. So of course, this is perfectly applicable to our spiritual life. Because there's all the things we do as Christians, there's all the things we do, but there's just as much as importance placed on not doing, waiting, resting. We have to practice those things in our life because they do not come naturally. Um, our culture absolutely doesn't want to wait for anything, of course. We don't want to wait in line. We don't want to wait for the light to turn green. We don't want to wait our turn uh, for, you know, if you go to any kid's birthday party, we don't want to wait to open the presents. We don't want to wait our turn for cake or ice cream or anything else. 
And then there's the more serious things in our culture that we don't want to wait for. We don't want to wait to have sex until we're married. We don't want to wait to buy a house until we have the money. We don't want to buy anything for that matter until we have the money. We want to charge it. We don't want to wait to eat. We want to get everything now. Waiting is not popular in our culture. So if we want to learn how to wait, then we're going to have to teach ourselves. We're going to have to practice it. It's very important to God, however, because if you look at a lot, (laughs) first of all, if you just look up the word wait in your concordance, you're going to find a lot. But I was thinking about how the psalmist will talk about over and over and over, whether it's David or, or Asaph or any of the other guys that wrote all these beautiful psalms. And I'm just going to read some to you right now. In Psalms 5.3, it says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in eager expectation. Psalm 27.14, Wait for the Lord. Be strong, because it takes a lot of strength to wait. Take heart and wait. Psalm 33.20, We wait, how? In hope. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. And this is a scripture that shows us that it matters how we wait. How do we wait? Do we wait patiently for him? Do we wait tapping our foot like, oh, come on? Do we wait rolling our eyes? Do we wait, um, you know, reluctantly? Or do we wait in hope? Psalm 37, 7, be still and wait patiently. That's why you're watching everybody else succeed. That's what Psalms 37 is all about, is seeing all the world going after for what they want, grabbing for what they want, doing it their own way, and they apparently are succeeding. And here we are waiting for the Lord. (laughs) I'm like, I'm waiting, but if I would just grab it, you know, isn't that what Satan said to Jesus, you know? Just follow me. If you only follow me, you can have all this today. You don't have to wait for God to bless you. Just get it now. I could give you all this power right now. You know, wait. How do we wait? Do we wait patiently? Um, Do I wait in hope? Um, Psalm 41 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. You know, here's another one example. And then we have the Proverbs who actually instruct us about waiting, how to wait. Um, Proverbs 20, 22 says, do not say, I will pay back this wrong. Mm -mm. Wait for the Lord and he will avenge you. So here we find it. God is talking about when people do you wrong, when things are happening against you, do you take matters into your own hands? Do I go for it? I'm going to get, you know, I'm going to get back at them. No, we wait for the Lord and he will avenge us. And then, um, In Psalm 106, it warns us uh, about what happened to the Israelites as they were, you know, they'd experienced all these great miracles, but it says in 106.13, but soon they forgot what he had done. They did not wait for his plan to unfold. It wasn't happening fast enough for them, so they had to urge it along. They had to take matters into their own hands. And we have many examples of people not waiting to disastrous results. We don't have to read very far into the Bible before we see Abraham taking matters into his own hands and saying, well, God did promise me an heir, but, you know, Sarah was really impatient. They were both impatient and they, okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to get my heir through Hagar. And we know that, that it has been a disaster to this day. These two uh, sons, the, the sons of Isaac and the sons of Ishmael still being at odds with one another because Abraham and Sarah took matters into their own hands and didn't wait. Um, Saul the very first king of Israel, really where he he finally 
lost it was when he just would not wait for Samuel to come and make the sacrifices. He would not. And he was going to do it himself. And that was two disastrous results. He lost, um, he lost his mind, to be honest. He went mad. And um, he lost his throne at that moment. Um, we see the Israelites in the desert after they realized that they had not had faith in God when God was saying, you know, send spies into the land and spy it out because you're getting ready to take it over. And they came back, oh, we can't do it, we can't do it. Then they realized they had been wrong. They're like, no, we'll go in now, we'll go in now. But God had already said no. But they would not wait because he said it's going to be 40 years. And they didn't want to wait for the 40 years. So they went into battle that day, even with Moses saying, don't do this, don't go without God. And of course, a disaster resulted because they took matters into their own hands and they would not wait on God. This is a huge thing that we're talking about, that these, these things are important to God. And so we need to practice waiting because it is not natural. <laughs> um, spiritually, we must practice and we must train ourselves to be godly. There are ways that we can train ourselves. But first of all, before you think about that, what is your track record for waiting, really? Let's take that for, for a moment. What is your track record in this area? First of all, when you were growing up, were you taught to wait? Um, and more importantly, even if you were taught to wait, did you learn to wait? You know, sometimes we can blame, We I hear this all the time, I say it myself, and people say it all the time, but I was never taught that. I've never heard that before. I was never taught that. And you know, truth is, your parents did try to teach you. Truth is, your church, you growing up, did try to teach you, but you didn't learn it. <laughs> I'm preaching to myself here, people. And if it applies to you, go ahead and take it personally. But uh, lots of times, we just didn't take in the learning that we were taught. We need to own it. We need to quit blaming the church we grew up in. We need to quit blaming the church that we are in right now. We need to quit blaming our parents. And we need to start taking some responsibility. You know what? You just didn't learn it. So did we actually learn to wait? And if not, let's decide first off that we're going to teach ourselves to wait and we're going to teach our kids to wait. We're going to teach them. Now, whether they learn it or not, that's up to them, but we are going to teach it. There's practical things that we can do just to learn. One part of this is just to learn how to accept delayed gratification, which is a lost, it's, it's, it's a lost art in our culture today. It's, we're, we're definitely losing it because we don't have to wait for much. Um, but there's little things we can do. We can just say, we're only going to watch TV on Saturdays. We're only going to have video games on Saturdays or Saturdays and Sundays if you want to do the weekend. We're, we're not going to have the TV on during the week. I know I just blew some of your minds. <laughs> and some of you are like, oh, no, we got rid of that a long time ago. But that's one way. It's a simple way. We could say, you know, in our house, there's no iPod. Our kids have iPods that they get to listen to their music on. It, there's no iPods until after lunch, until lunch is cleaned up. And then you can have it for the rest of your lunch period. But until all the work is cleaned up from the morning and the lunch is cleaned up, we don't get an iPod. Um, we can say no screens of any time, of any kind, until homework is done. No, no iPod, no phone, nothing, until homework is checked, not just done. Not till you tell me it's done, but until I've checked it. <laughs> Those are two different things. Um, these are little ways, these little things that we do. We have to remember that they turn into bigger ways of accepting delayed gratification. When we learn, I mean, didn't Jesus say, he who could be trusted with little can be trusted with much? I mean, we put these little ways out to say, you know, we have to learn how to delay that gratification because later on it will teach us how not to give in to our lust. 
We don't have to give in to lust. We don't have to give in to our urges sexually. You know, nowadays you go to the doctor, your kids go to the doctor, and they won't. Even, they want to have private time with your adolescent without you in the room because they just do not believe it is possible for a child to be honest in front of their parents anymore. They do not believe that it is possible that children could actually wait until they're married to have sex. And so they want them to be honest with the doctor so they can make sure that they can inform them properly about um, how to protect themselves from sexually transmitted diseases and whatnot. And because they just don't believe it's possible. Well, here's the deal. It's possible. People have been doing it for thousands of years. Delayed gratification. Learning how to delay gratification in little ways will teach you how to control yourself. There's one command in the Bible for young men one command and and that is to control themselves to practice self-control check it out check it out in titus and timothy it doesn't give a whole bunch of commands for the young men it's like control yourself there it is possible to control yourself um to not give in to lust to not give in to mood altering anything really which is really what pornography does is it is a an instantaneous mood alterer and so it's similar to smoking pot it's similar to to um playing a video game, it gives you an automatic um, mood difference. And that's what a lot of us are searching for is we just don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel mad. We don't feel better. We don't want to feel those things. Let me get a mood altering substance, whether that could be smoking pot or doing drugs or going out with my friends or watching a movie or looking at pornography or whatever it is. Actually, this is not just for our kids, not just for teens. This is for us too, right? We're all having to learn, no, wait, maybe I should be going to God instead. Or not, you know, later on, not playing with their phone at work so they can actually keep a job. These things lead to good marriages, um, good jobs. It leads to true freedom that's untainted by all of this. You know, the, we're trying to help our kids to develop these things by learning how to wait. And we're, we're, we know that these are the things that can come from it. Um, if we miss this stuff as a kid, we can train ourselves. We can wait patiently. Little things. We can wait patiently for the next meal. You do not have to eat, okay? You do not have to eat between meals. You can wait. You can, yes, your stomach can actually even growl and you'll be okay. You will not die. You can teach yourself to wait. It actually is a good thing. Fasting is a good thing because it teaches you to wait for God. Um, we can sit in a meeting. Okay, here's some grown-up things. We can sit in a meeting without having to Fill in the blank. We don't have to eat. We don't have to fidget. I mean, when's the last time you went to a meeting and there wasn't food there? <laughs> it's like this has to go with every meeting that we have now. We can do it. We can sit in a meeting and not eat. We can sit in a meeting and not fidget or doodle or uh, talk even. We can restrain our opinions. We can actually refrain from sharing our opinions. Um, we can listen. We That's the one thing that it says to do quickly in the Bible. You should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. We can turn off our notifications on our phone. We can put our phones on do not disturb while we are trying to have school at home. Mom, as you're trying to do homeschool, turn off your notifications. Stop trying to return your messages and, and be texting. It takes you into a whole different part of your brain. A whole different world's going on. You know, and I'm sitting here trying to talk about what. You can't even get into whatever you're talking about. You're so distracted by your phone. What You're in a meeting and you're just in your... I heard I was in a meeting the other day and I'll get... Bzz, bzz. You know, everybody's phone is buzzing all the time. Good grief. Who could focus on anything? 
Turn off your phone for crying out loud. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't whatever those words come out of my mouth for crying out loud. I need to move on. Um, we can wait to speak. We can. I'm preaching to myself, people. You can wait to speak. You do not have to share your opinions about everything. So anyway, these are little ways that we can train ourselves to wait. We can actually go, and I've talked about this before, we can actually go to a store and not search for the shortest line. We can say, I'm going to train myself to wait today. I'm going to pick the longest line. I know I just blew your mind right there. But there are ways that you train yourself to be godly. Perhaps God has somebody that he wants you to share your faith with. Maybe look for the line that has the person that the Spirit is leading you to. That's something I'm trying to practice right now. I'm not great at it, people. Just, you know, I'm not saying uh, that I am. I'm trying to learn how to be good at it, to, to look at, you know, God, is there anybody you want me to share with? I'll pick that line. I don't care how many people are in it. You know, thinking that way instead. We need to change our mindset. Um, I wrote this down because I think it's our mindset that has to change. Um, or we'll, we're, we're really just doing our behavior modification, which I do believe in behavior modification, but I think we have to change our minds too. Um, you know, I wrote down, find God in the wait. We have to decide that waiting is an opportunity to find God in that wait of everyday life. You know, if you're trying to teach yourself to wait um, for your stomach to growl to eat, then give your Give that weight to, give your weight to God and decide, I'm going to find God in this weight. And answer these questions as you're waiting in any situation. Why are you in a hurry? <laughs> what, why, why do you need a distraction, perhaps? Um, could you talk to God instead? Is your agenda so important that it must be rushed? Um, you know, when you find yourself wanting to act, don't buy it, don't eat it, don't text it until you've talked to God about it. These are some things that, you know, you can practice is just don't, don't, don't act right now. Pray first. Have you prayed about it? Have you prayed about that purchase? Have you prayed about that scheduling change? Have you prayed about that decision you're making? Have you prayed about that subject you want to do? Have you prayed about um, eating yet? Have you prayed? Just wait. Um, and then also in that, in these little everyday tasks, so I know I'm breaking it down to be very practical, but that's what this is, you know, Simply Holy, a practical guide for living the open-handed life every day. Um, in those little weights, you'll begin to enjoy it. You begin to enjoy God giving you that because it gives you time with him. Um, uh, then I said after that, uh, I wrote down that when you find God in these little everyday things, then you will find him in the important weights. I get that there's more important things to think about. Okay, I get that. Um, there are times where waiting is really important. You know, I was, I was reading in Isaiah and I was thinking about all these prophets. I've just been thinking about this lately. I'm not sure exactly why, but they had to endure such a time where really everybody in the church wasn't do, doing the right thing. You know, sometimes we can look around and we can go, what is going on? Um, and we can be puzzled about things that aren't going well or aren't going right in our church. And uh, I'm saying our church because we do have a church that we belong to, but he belonged to, you know, the, the true family of God, the Jewish community. But he had to look around and realize people are not doing what they're supposed to do. And Isaiah 8, he says... I will wait for the Lord. 
who is hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. And I will put my hope in him. Like, I don't know what God's doing right now. That's what I read in that is sometimes you look around and I'm not sure what God is doing right now. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but I know one thing. I'm going to wait on God. I'm on, I'm on God's side. I don't know when the dust settles because there seems to be a lot of dust here. And when that dust settles, um, I'm going to be standing with God. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the last man standing here. I'm going to be standing with God. Um, I have seen that people will, in the midst of trying to figure things out in your church or in your ministry, in your small group or whatever, that people will jump to conclusions. Um, they'll start assigning motives. Um, they'll jump the gun and, no, we got to do this. It's just got to be, you know, we just got to. Um, but I think it's important to go, what is God doing? And wait for God to settle the issue. Wait for God to settle the dust. Um, oftentimes we can be proven wrong. I mean, time can prove us wrong. I know I have been. I know I've misjudged people many times. And I, um, I hate that. But that's just the truth of it. I've, I've misjudged people. Luckily, sometimes I've been able to, um, they've stuck around and I've stuck around. and been able to say, you know, I really misjudged you. I'm really sorry about that. You know, I was talking to somebody on the phone the other, just the other day, and she was really struggling with things that were not going well in her little small group or whatever. And I was like, you know, I, I hear you, and I think that that could be true. I also think that at times we can be proven wrong with our conclusions. Sometimes God can go, yeah, you think you, I know there is something wrong, but it's not what you think is wrong. And we have to wait in those times. Wait for God. Are you praying about it? Are you letting God have his way? What is his voice saying? What is he saying to you? What is the, what is the word that he keeps giving back to you? Um, go with that and you can never go wrong. And, um, you know, another thing, and all of that is really just about that waiting, waiting for uh, God to speak. But there is actually another part of, you know, in music, you have the times where you're or absolutely kind of forcing yourself to wait, wait. Um, and then there's other times where you just, you need to learn how to enjoy the time that you're not playing. You know, I have these uh, times when I play violin with the band on Sundays uh, where I really want to just be singing, but I'm supposed to be counting. <laughs> I'm supposed to be counting my rests and I'm supposed to be waiting so that I'll come in in the right place. And sometimes I just forget to come in in the right place because I'm just so busy singing. I'm, I'm enjoying myself. And uh, that other times that happens is um, lots of times when you're playing in opera, if you're playing in the pit for an opera, um, you, you do a lot of playing. And so when you finally get a chance to rest, you really enjoy it and you can sit there and, and wait. But in both of these times, you have to practice resting. It's not just waiting. It's practicing resting. And um, this is a concept that I have been trying, that I've been really thinking about lately is about, you know, uh, you know, practicing the Sabbath. I've, I've, I've long taught that. I've taught that for a while now about how the Sabbath is actually practicing the rest of God. It's saying that all of my activities in my week are very important. Yes, but they're not that important that they can't stop. They're not more important than God. And I think that, um, you know, C.S. Lewis has that quote that I'm going to butcher, and I hate that I'm going to say it wrong right now. I should have written it down. But it's basically saying that following God and practicing, you know, holiness actually uh, teaches you how significant you are 
and how insignificant you are all at the same time. Because if you stop doing all of your so very important activities, will the world keep spinning? Will it keep going on? Does God have 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 it all under his control or was it really dependent on, on you and your productivity? I think the Sabbath is important in teaching us that the world doesn't revolve around us and it doesn't hinge on our productivity, but that we can stop what we're doing in order to honor God for that time. And um, and this is such a huge thing um, that I actually want to invite you into something that I'm going to be doing. And uh, I want to invite you into the unhurried life. And there is a book that's out, and I'll, I'll put it up on um, on simply on the Simply Holy uh, Facebook page. But there's a book that I have been reading, and a lot of people have been reading it, actually. And it is called The Unhurried Life. And of course, the minute I heard that title, I was like, okay, I have to read this book. Just the, the title alone is, uh, is important to me. But it, um, it's by a guy named Alan Fadling. And I don't know if you say it that way, but it's F-A-D-L-I-N-G. And um, I want to use this book as a, a book for the summer. So if you want to get this book and read it together, we can read it for the month, I figured the month of July and August. And every week I'm going to put together a video, sort of like, um, you know, a, a video book club kind of. And I want us to be able to talk about it online and I want us to be able to, um, I, I'll just put my thoughts out in a video once a week about each chapter as it goes by. and. I'm, It'll be something that we can um, unpack together, but there's so much in it that uh, that is about this idea of practicing resting and practicing the unhurried life that I want to give it really all the um, attention that it deserves. So I want to invite you to do that. So get the book if you can. I actually have it on Audible and on my Kindle. They do this thing where you can put them together now. It's really cool. So that I can listen and I can, you know, I'm actually going back through the book for the for the third time now, I think it is. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just taking notes and, and making changes in my life. And um, I hope you will join me and that'll be a totally fun way to go through the summer together. But I wanted to tell you this one thing that I have put into practice um, since I've been reading that book and um, I'm it's really helping me right now. And it's this idea of practicing resting in the middle of my day. And uh, there's these questions that you answer at the end of, the, of each chapter. And this question that was sort of haunting me was, it said, when is, it, when is that time of day when you find yourself, or when are times in your life when you find yourself grabbing um, for things that God wants to be able to give you as a gift or a blessing? And I was like, right away, I knew what it was because it was dinner time. Because something happens to me where I get up to this time, like I'm, I'm actually fine throughout the morning and, the, and, and lunch, and I, I, I sort of enjoy eating. I eat small amounts of food, and I eat slowly and whatever, but dinner, I just have this frantic feeling, and I usually end up overeating, and I feel gross and miserable after, and it's just a yucky time. It's a grabby time. Even if you don't struggle with overeating, you can, you can you know, feel that time with me, I think. Um, and I was thinking, why am I? And I was like, well, I am hungry, um, for sure. For sure, I am hungry by the time it's dinner time. And my stomach's growling. I'm I'm usually very tired, so I'm tired. Um, maybe even borderline exhausted. And then 
I was thinking about how by this time of day, I actually am angry and I had never realized that before, but I realized because it's during this time of day that I'm looking back at everything that didn't get done. And even though all day I'll try to op open my hands and I'm like, it's okay, God, whatever you want to have today, I'm going to be grateful for whatever happens. And I'm just going to walk in the spirit. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe somehow I am keeping a subconscious list of the things that are not getting done and that are piling up. And I'm like, uh, and then I, I'm tired by this time. And so now I'm kind of angry about the things that didn't get done, which sends me to away from God. And so now I'm lonely. And so those of you know, that spells hungry, angry, lonely, tired, halt. Those are all of the things that an addict is supposed to watch out for, or you may be ready to fall and start using again. I was like, oh my gosh, by the time I get to dinner, I'm in complete halt mode. So I've started doing this thing, which God allowed the time and space for, but I think it's because I was searching for it. I think that when you're searching for answers to be more godly, God provides them. <laughs> if you are searching for a way to be more godly, God will provide the time and he will provide the answers. That's definitely a, something that I've learned. And so he sort of opened up this time for me that I'm using twice a day, um, once at one, one o'clock, I have this little opening most of the time, and at five o'clock most of the time, where I sit down and I just, I, I start, I pray, and I start writing down um, everything that was done. And I, I get this from the creation week, where um, God, you know, he used each day, he created certain things. And at the end of the day, he said, it is good. And there was evening and there was morning, the first day, the second day, the third day, whatever. And I realized I need this. I need to look back at the things that did get done. And I need to say it is good. You know, we always need to be in touch with what we do we did get, what we are getting, not we're not not what we're not getting. What was done, not what was not done. But I write down everything that was done, and it's really incredible how long the list is. Every single time I'm sort of amazed. And I, I write every single thing down that got done that I can remember. And then I read back there and I go, and it and I at the end of it, I write, and it was good. <laughs> and I sort of just tell myself, you need to be satisfied with that. God's satisfied with it. You need to be satisfied with it because that's what God allowed to happen um, in that time period. So then I can, after I've been become grateful again and I've returned myself to that, then I can kind of look at, Okay, so this stuff didn't get done. Does it need to? Maybe it doesn't. I'm able to let a lot of that stuff go. And um, if it's something that has to be done, then I can think through, okay, well, uh, could I do this after dinner? Or how, how can I work that in? But it's from a different mindset because my mindset is rested. It's from the point of the rest because I'm practicing the rests. <laughs> Does this make sense? A musician must practice the rests or they will come in in the wrong place and throw everything off. When we don't practice resting, we throw off the harmony of God. We throw off his plan. We don't allow for his plan to unfold and um, it creates chaos and uh, disorder in our lives. So I hope this helps you in learning to practice resting in your weekly rhythm, a Sabbath rest, in your daily rhythm, and it is good time. Um, hopefully you can start practicing resting uh, on a daily and weekly basis in your life. And I want to invite you again to join me in the unhurried life for the month, for the rest of the summer, for July and August. We'll start, uh, hopefully we'll start the first week of July. Um, I think that's my plan right now is we'll start the first week in July. So we'll, you can check it again and see if that actually happened. So I hope this helped you. Until next time.